last week we were dealing with some things. And we're going to try and go there again this morning. Um, I've been thinking about preaching. and The content that's in preaching is what is, what is important. Not the delivery. It's not if you're loud or if you're quiet. Um, I don't wonder about the Lord and His teaching. You ever, you ever think about that? Did the Lord was... When He sat down and sat the people down and began to, began to, to teach them and preach to them, um, I don't think it was always, you know, but I think sometimes it was. It just... But the Lord was communicating to them this gospel. Now, a lot, of what, a lot of what we have and have received in the past, and I've been there, you've been there, is a, a lot of stuff that, um, especially if you're raised in, in an emotional kind of setting, a lot of stuff, the louder, the louder you go, the more anointing there is on it. Hello? And uh, kind of the quieter we, we used to kind of make fun of people who, who were more quiet in their services. You know, because we had people running around, running into each other, falling into the walls, knocking things over. And, and people who were just standing there with their hands raised, it was almost like, where are they at? Here we are over here with this really good praising going on. And uh, so the Lord's just kind of dealing with me in my latter years about content. The content of preaching uh, is vastly more important than the method. Can you say amen? And so we receive the word, and then receiving the word of God is important. Jesus said, watch how you hear. So that you receive the word of God with gladness. And so these, these uh, both of these directives mean a lot when it comes to learning of the, of the Lord. Now, um, the other thing, I guess, Maybe the younger guys have more um, stamina. Let's say it that way. I don't want to call it ignorance. I want to say stamina. <laughs> that um, just see a lot of young guys out there preaching who are really getting with it. That's, that's good. It's okay. I want to show you something if we can get it up here. This is Rodney going to try and get it up. And if you can, yeah, I'll just, I'll just play it. Um, a little clip, and I don't know where Kay got it from, but she acquired it and sent it to me, and it's just a little clip of some preaching. Now, when you talk about content, and then you talk about the way that it's delivered, a big crowd always seems to um, elevate the sort of emotional tension that's in the building and and that's true the smaller the crowd we're missing some people this morning and so you know what happens everybody gets quiet and that's why Rodney said you know is it okay if we praise the Lord this morning I know everybody's not here but that's just natural it's just what happens to us is we, we sort of you know quiet down in the big crowd and the big role and the big music and the big Lights and cameras and all that stuff. Uh, it's a, it's an amazing, sort of an anomaly of 
of how God really moves in that, but he doesn't move in the few. This is an antithesis of the gospel of Christ. Jesus always called his flock little. Because he didn't want them to leave out of there with an emotional hype and not receive the content of the Word of God. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And so, emotionally speaking, doesn't necessarily deliver the content of the Word of God. So you'll see that in a, in a, in a little bit. If we get that hooked up, if not, I can, I can play it on here. But if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to go over to the book of John. We've been laboring there and just been reading a lot of book of John. And, and so... Somebody else is preaching with me here. I don't know. Okay. Well, well, we'll wait until I give you the go. All right? So John 6, uh, I want to read uh, several passages in this chapter. It is just so powerful of the Lord revealing who he is. So if you start at the 25th, chapter, or 25th verse with me and uh, want to read down. And finding him, Jesus, across the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? He came and they weren't, didn't know that he had crossed. And so they found him and said this. And then he said unto them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you ate the loaves and were satisfied. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. And then this last little stanza, I'm going to break this down a little bit later. It says it this way, for God the Father, this is not the, 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 the way that the, the Greek verse uh, words it, but it says, for God the Father sealed this one. He is sealed. And so, uh, go down to verse 40. I don't want to read this whole chapter. Go to verse 40. And this is the will of the one who sent me, Jesus still talking, that everyone seeing the Son. Can you say seeing? Seeing the Son. That's, that's important in this verse. And believing into him should have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 45. As it has been written by the prophets, they shall all be taught of God. So then everyone who hears and learns from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, Except the one being from God, he has seen the Father. We'll work on this verse a little bit too. And then this verse 64. And uh, But there are some of you uh, here who are not believing. For Jesus knew from the beginning who the not believing ones were and who was the one betraying him. And he said, for this reason I have told you that no one is able to come to me except is given to him 
from my Father. And again, we'll work on that verse. But if you'll go to Ephesians, I got one little scripture I just want to pull out here to, to kind of uh, goes with this, sealed by God. Ephesians, the first chapter, the 13th verse. In whom also you, hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also believing, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, Lord, we just ask you today that you would just reveal some things to us in this life as we walk before you and we live before you, Lord. We need to know you. We need to know your voice. We need to hear you clear. So, Lord, the more acquainted that we become with you, the more revealed you are in our life, the more able we are then to hear you and know you, know your voice, know your will, purpose in our life. And we just pray, Lord, that you would just show us your goodness and glory this morning. And again, we turn it to you, Lord, to glorify you, Jesus. Everyone said amen. Amen. Miracle seekers and the Mishnah crowd. We'll leave the true Rabbi Yeshua soon enough. See, those that are looking for miracles and signs and wonders, they will leave disappointed and bewildered because he refuses to perform. About the time that someone requires a sign or a miracle from him, He's going to walk away without doing anything. Just, that's just how he works. Signs and miracles, healings. I, I believe in miracles. Everybody believe in miracles? We do. We've seen them in this, this body, this church. We know people that have witnessed miracles in their lives. Brother Skip from Mexico all the time has different things that he reports on. Well, there's so many churches, 300 churches, and they have a lot of things going. They have a lot of... A lot of times where they have prayer over people, and they, and they see a lot of great things. I believe in miracle signs and wonders. But if they do not point us to the Lord, then it virtually doesn't mean anything. We can pray for somebody to get healed, and they get healed, but yet their life is not healed before the Lord. You're going to get sick again. You're At some point, you're going to die. I think everybody realizes that we don't really want to deal with it too much the older we get the more we you know it's upon us and and so um, just signs and miracles and wonders really don't secure our faith these people have watched jesus and they ate of the loaves he made that clear they watched him take a handful of bread and feed Thousands upon thousands of people with a handful of bread. And, and, and that, you know, that's amazing. And I hear these people that are talking about God multiplied this and that. And, oh, no, come bring it out here. Let's see it. Let's see that happen. Uh, this was such a miracle that, that they ate and they were satisfied. And now they're looking to find him again for some more miracles for their life. Some more bread, some provisions, something that God can, can, can advance their life with. 
and they will walk away disappointed. Then there are those that that are hear the gospel, but yet they want to add to it, and we know this went on in the Jewish culture, and we call it the Mishnah, and we can deal with that a little bit. Those that add doctrines and dogmas to his gospel will insert those things in between Jesus and his disciples. And I call this Christian Mishnah. And they too will soon enough leave the moorings of trust in Christ Jesus. Continue to rely on those things instead of the true fellowship in our Lord and Savior, which He which He has granted to us. The only one staying on. It's a hard statement. And, and this whole chapter, this is the chapter where Jesus taught them and they all left except for the twelve. This is this chapter. It's a tough thing to say. I've said this before, but just let me repeat it again. We were in convocation, what we call holy convocation. All men would get together, different churches, and we're up in the hills. And we are praying and studying and fasting. And, and a brother got up and said, Brother Elder Cox, he got up and said, half of you guys here aren't going to make it. And that, that really wasn't a dynamic message. You go away thinking, am I it? You know, it's like like Jesus said, one of you will betray me. And they're coming, Lord, and is it me? At least half of you guys want to. He was so right on. Because they didn't have instilled in their life the revelation of Jesus Christ. They were in it for the Pentecostal thing. We're in it for, you know, what God could do and how he could heal. And deliver, I would call it the Lord, Lord crowd. They saw deliverance, they saw healing, they saw devils cast out. But the only ones who were going to make it in this, this final journey and last and get through it are the ones that are in Christ Jesus. They have come into Him. He is Lord and Savior and Him alone. Can everybody say with me, alone? And the reason why I do that is that I, I want you you know, be involved with this. The only ones that are going to make it are the ones that serve Him and Him alone. So, Pentecost, whatever that is, an apostolic doctrine, as it's defined by its movement, and holiness, which is used as personal righteousness, is not the door. We talked about that a while back. It's not the door. It's the Mishnah. If you can play that, I want you to play this. Now, we are in this setting, big camp meeting, big church, a lot of things going on, a lot of power in the air, and this may be a good brother. I don't know him. I'm not trying to bring him down. Well, I want to show you Christian Mishnah as it's played out. And don't be deceived because it's loud. Don't be deceived because the crowd is there, because there is this feeling. I was talking to the boys about this. There is this feeling of self-righteousness that we have to steer away from 
And so I'm, I'm praying that, that God will help us in this. Okay, let's see if we can play that thing. What's that deal? That's in your kitchen. Here he is. We're going to have to go back. All right, there we go. More beards in there than they are out in the street. I'm going to tell you something. Facial hair is not apostolic. However you want to cut it, it's compromised. Recipe of anointing. That's that's what we needed to get to. The recipe of anointing. This might be a good one. I don't know him. He's not. I just want to show you, play you some Christian Mishnah. Now that there's a lot of other things that they that different ones say, but just this one little clip. Because what he's saying is a lie. The power's there. The people are cheering, stuff going on. I mean, it's so thick. If you're standing in that place, it, you can feel the electricity in that place. It is a lie. The recipe of anointing and beards, the guy's insane. He's quoting from Joash about keeping the oil of anointing, and Joash had a beard. And David records that when Aaron was anointed, it ran down his beard and upon his clothes, even to the bottoms of his garments. David had a beard. John the Baptist had a beard. Jesus had a beard. You think these guys aren't anointed? See, what I'm trying to say, this is Christian baloney. And instead of preaching Christ... We're going to waste the time with the congregation preaching about beards. And, and, and so when we peel this onion back, we're thinking, what really is the core of what's going on here? What, what would cause a movement to be so concerned with whether I have a wedding ring on or not? What, what is that? It only makes sense that I wear a wedding ring. People can see I'm married. And, and so you have this, this sort of, and it almost feels like it's godly. It's really close. Bless God, we're Pentecostal. We don't wear beards. It's totally against the Scripture. Now in the New Testament, you have a choice. You're not a Jew. You don't have to wear a beard if you don't want to wear a beard. 
The Gentile church was not required to wear a beard, but, but it was not ordered not to wear beards either. And so the whole thing of what I'm trying to say is, is that the Lord is trying to draw the church to himself. The issue of beards is outside of himself. The issue of, of, of looking a perfect certain way in, in conduct and, and what is called holiness really is outside of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And this is where this church is going to labor. We continue to labor. There's some things I don't like. There's some things that I'm not going to be a part of. There's some things that I can't tell you is scriptural, but I'm not going to be a part of it because it seems like it's going the wrong direction to me. Somebody say amen. Uh, there's this big conversation about drinking, you know, the... the, the most of the Christian church and the pastors and the staff are all drinkers. No, we're not here. Why is that? I believe the Scripture teaches against it, but that's not where we're going anyway. You get God in your life. You get the Lord in your life, and He's going to teach you drinking has no good result for your life, period. But I can't get up here and make a whole sermon of we're not drinkers. We're not drinkers because the Lord is in our life. But what we need to know is that Lord. What does He want in my life? And to be open to Him, to hear His voice, and to know that He's going to direct me into the righteousness of God in my life is something we have to be open to. Can you say amen? Now these people say to Him in this sixth chapter, they say to Him about halfway down, they say, what? May we do. And, and Brother Rodney had brought that the other night. What shall we do? And it's, and it's here and there. They did it with John the Baptist. They did it on Acts 2.30. What shall we do? And so here it is again. What may we do that we may work the works of God? They asked Jesus this. So what do we do? We're ready to go out and do some works of God. You know what he said? He said, the work of God is to believe in me. That's it. Because if you believe in him, you're going to begin to walk like him. It's not just, oh, I believe in Jesus and I go on in my life and do my thing and, you know, I believe Jesus. No, no, I'm talking about believing into him. And this word... Uh, uh, Rodney Jr. starting to, or Junior Jr. is starting to come up with these things that I used to come up with. He said, the other day, he says, you know, that word, that word in, they're using that come into Christ, but it really is ice, into, it's motion towards, it's getting into a place. It's not just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's believing into Him. Let me talk for a few minutes about solo theism. Some of you may have never heard the term. Years ago, we put it on our uh, website, and we got, we got quite a bit of people that were really wondering about that because solotheism really isn't a word that is used. It's something that I, just kind of, I felt impressed by God. I didn't find it anywhere. You can go on Google search, and you won't find it because there's nothing there, at least last time I went on. 
Solo theism. Solo theism is this. Belief in one God, Father of all, manifested in the flesh body of Yeshua Jesus Christ. That's solo theism. There are the, the definition of, of theism, there are three different types, and uh, what they don't know in Google is that we've added another. So there are three types of theism. Pent, pantheism is the belief that God exists in everything. That's pantheism. He's in this computer. He's in this, this pulpit, in the glasses that I wear. God's just in everything and everybody and all stuff. The next one is polytheism. Polytheism is a belief in more than one God. Multiple gods. Polytheism. Now we're talking about worldwide. There's only just three plus one theisms. You either believe pantheism. Well, there is atheism, but that's not doesn't have anything to do with God. You believe pantheism, you believe polytheism. And up to um, my upbringing, monotheism. How many have heard of monotheism? Monotheism is the belief in one God that can be in multiple parts or persons. I don't believe in monotheism. I believe in one God who is himself, always has been, always will be, and manifest himself, and that manifestation does not become its own entity. But God is manifested, and when he does, it's him. And this is solotheism. Can everybody say amen? So the world accepts all theisms, and the church accepts much of theism, except for solotheism. But if you're going to believe in Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. There's only one belief. You don't get to believe in him and other things. Him and some other people. Him, some other persons. But you're going to believe in him alone. And that's what we teach in this church. We believe Jesus Christ is all alone by himself, the manifestation. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the only begotten of the Father. Can the church say amen? And so now, Jesus says of himself, and he does this, he talks of himself, and he says, the Son of Man. And he's addressing them about himself. He says, the Son of Man. He says, because this one, the Father sealed, and then the Greek goes this way, the Father sealed the one God. And you will read it in all English translations, and I looked at them in in multiple, many translations, and they all read the same is that the Father God sealed this one. And it almost like brings a separation in God is that, that, that really, you know, Father God's one thing and then the Son that He sealed, that's something else. But when you read it in the Greek, it says, because this one, the Father sealed, the one God. And so there's not the separation. Now, the word sealed is interesting because it's this Greek word that means to seal with a signet ring 
or other instrument to stamp to attest ownership authorizing what is sealed. So, in the ancient day, and, and uh, you probably have seen this, when the king would make an edict of some kind, and they would write it down, and then they would roll it up and put this uh, waxy substance on that would, uh, that would dry, and they would put it where the letter uh, came together, and they, they would drop it there, and then he would seal it with his ring. Now, if that was opened, everybody would know it. And it may not be authentic, but as long as that king's signet was on there and that roll was sealed, then they knew this was from the king. And so the king, what he would do by this, almost like our common day notarizing, that you go down, you put your thumbprint on there, right? And so um, you have to do a document of some kind, or a lot of that happens when you're, you're buying saying buying a house or property, and you, you have to get notarized. And so the thing that really notarizes is not just a signature, it's the thumbprint. Because your thumbprint is unlike any other thumbprint of the billions of people that are on the earth. Isn't that wonderful? And so that's your real true identification. So let's just say that is the seal. I'm buying this property. This is who I am. Um, I'm swearing out an affidavit. If I swear out an affidavit, it has to be sealed by my thumbprint, and then the notary writes down, you know, such such day, and it was sealed. Well, this is this is this picture of what Jesus is telling them. He's trying to tell them that I, the Son of Man, am the one to see, because they're looking off to something else. And he said, "No, you've got to see me." And he is the authentic, real deal sealed by God. There's nowhere else to look. God puts his seal on it. He is authorizing that this is the real deal. This is the image of the unseen God. So he puts his seal upon this even though, and he says, son of man, he looks like any other man, he walks like any other man, he talks like any other man. They can't tell him much apart from the rest of the community, but God has put the seal upon him, and the seal is, he is the only begotten of the Father, and it's authentic, it is true, sworn out by God himself. So according to the Father, Yahweh, I am. His only begotten Son, Yahweh, Shua, I am, is the authentic. And anyone seeing the Son and believing into Him, this reminds us of John 14. John 14, remember it says, the one seeing me has seen the Father. I'm not going for the explanation that Jesus was a just a, a ambassador of God. And that when you see him, it's like you see the ambassador of the United States. I've heard it explained sort of like this. You know, and, and the ambassador of the United States stands for the United States. And this is what Jesus did. He was just, he was the ambassador of heaven and he stood. No, 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 no. Time out on that one. 
When you see him, you've seen it all. There's nowhere else to go. He's not a representation of heaven. He is the fullness of the godness dwelling in him bodily on earth. And when you see him, now there were a lot of people around there and all of them were looking at him. He's teaching, right? But they're not seeing him. It's kind of a play on words a little bit because if you see something, and and the reference here is to understand it, to perceive it, to acknowledge it, to know what it's about, not just to visually see something, but it's to see it greater than that, to see it that it means something in your spirit. And so he says this way, not anyone has seen the Father except the one being close beside God. This one has seen the the Father. Now, I'm going to have to join that with, with John 14, 9. Those that are close to God. I'm going to tell you, He is God on earth. And there are some that are close to Him. And they see Him. But there are others that are there that do not see Him, even though they visually, with their eyes, behold Him. They don't see Him. They don't see who He is. Can you say amen? You can sit in church all your life and never see who Jesus is. You can hear preaching. You can read the Bible and never see who Jesus is. The Mormon people will sit in their church all their life. They will never see who Jesus is. Catholics will sit in there. They'll look at the idols. They'll look at this representation of who they think Christ is on a cross, and they will never see who He is. Pentecostals will sit in churches like this one and worry about beards and worry about what shoes you wear and worry about whether you have a wedding ring on and they will never see Jesus because that's not the revelation of Him. So in all of our study and all of our going and our doing and our sitting in church, If we don't see him, then we have missed the whole thing. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. And so the one that does see him, though, close beside him, is going to see who God really, really, really is. Now, I've been thinking about this, and I know I've talked to the brothers a little bit about this. I don't believe in God's selection. So we take, um, you know, God comes down and says, I'm picking you and you and you and you over there. And the rest of you just aren't going to make it. Sorry. I don't believe that. I believe we have a choice. Can you say amen? But I also do have to believe that God knows. So there's this kind of, you know, gray area between the teachings of, 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 of the Baptist church, and if some of you were raised in, in Baptist, and, and God's selection, and, and uh, you know, that, that, and then free will. And some of you are raised in free will Baptists, or at least know people who were in free will Baptists. So thank God for at least free will Baptists. 
And I don't think the Lord's going to come down this morning and say, I'm, I'm picking you, Brandon, but, but I'm not picking you. And I'm picking, oh, I got one over here. I'll pick Dara. That, that's not the way the Spirit of God works. So I'm not trying to go there. But God does know. The Lord does know. Remember I said last week, and I believe this, the rabbi would never pick somebody who didn't have the potential and who didn't have the heart to become like the rabbi. And why would he? It's a waste of time. We don't see the Lord in that way. We've been given this, this love gospel that he's going to follow you to the ends of the earth and everywhere you go and he's just going to hover over you. No, 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 that's, that's not a picture of our Lord. That's a picture of Santa Claus. That's not of our Lord. Our Lord is going to give you opportunity to see who he is. And it's what's going to happen in this chapter. And so, so really, the Lord already knows. He knows everybody's sitting in this place this morning. The rabbi knows. If he knew them and that whole crowd that was eating the bread, the five thousands of them and ten thousands, however many there were, and he knew all of them. He knew what was in their heart. He knows what's in our heart this morning. Now I want to talk to you about about mistakes for a second. Is the Lord going to throw you out because you make a mistake? Not if your heart is after Him. This is why we see David and the Lord quotes David more than anybody else and He loves David. And David took his good friend's wife and had him killed. I don't know that you can do anything worse than that. That, that might be the top. But David had a heart after God. He's going to suffer because of what he did and, and all of that. He's going to suffer terrible for that. His kingdom's going to be his son's turn against him. I mean, at the end of his life, it's just a mess. But there's something in his heart. He gets down and says, God, don't take your spirit from me. I know I messed up. I've sinned before you and only you alone. God, take not thy holy presence. Take not thy spirit from me. Because he had a heart. And I see this in Jesus looking at all of these people. And he's looking for those that have a heart after him. And he's not condoning mistake. He's not, Peter, Peter loves the Lord. Peter's going to stand for the Lord. He got his sword. He's going, I'm going to die with you, Jesus. I'm just going to die with you. And Jesus said, no, you're not. Oh, yeah, Lord, even though all the rest of these brothers forsake you, I'm going to be your right-hand man, and I'm going to die with you. And Jesus said, no, you won't. You're going to deny me. But the Lord didn't stagger at that. Why? Because Peter's heart was after God. And Peter failed in the flesh. He did. It was, it was awful what he did. And before it's done, he's out somewhere in a corner crying, weeping. This grown man, he's weeping his eyes out because he has let his Lord down. And he knows it, and the Lord knows it. But, but see, it's not God is not looking for perfection. He's not looking for no mistakes in your life. What he's looking for is a heart after him. So if we turn to the works gospel where we're going to appease him by our holiness, he's going to love me more if I don't wear open-toed shoes and I take the ring off my finger. 
The Lord's going to love me more. No, the Lord is going to love you more when you have a heart after Him. All of those details and stuff, He can work all that out. That's, that's no problem for Him. It's if we don't have the heart and we're trying to live this so-called godly, holy life and our heart's not in it. It's a bunch of Mishnah. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. And so he knew they would turn away. He's got this whole crowd of people. He knew they would turn away. He's going to give them one last chance. Maybe there's somebody in this group that they'll realize that they need me. So I'm going to give them one last chance. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of me, they will eat into eternal life. And he begins to go on and on about the bread. Eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. If you do that, there's life in you. If you don't do that, there is no life in you. And so it goes on and on till finally there's no one left but his 12 disciples. And one of them was a devil. He included in there. I like John. John's like, you know, I can identify with this. The rest of them didn't really talk about Judas until he betrayed, right? John said he was a thief and a robber the whole time. He carried, John called him out. You know, he carried the bag and he was stealing out of the bag. It's no surprise to me he was the guy that was the betrayer. But the Lord still had him in the group because there was a purpose yet to serve. But there was 11 men who when everybody else left, they said, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. They realized it was about him. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. And so the daunting task for us is to be like our Lord and Rabbi. The good thing for us is that we're not left alone in this effort. Again, the Lord knows those who are believing into Him. And if you are believing into Him this morning, He is aiding you in the process. You're not doing it on your own. You're not making yourself holy. You're not getting to a place where God likes you and loves you now. It is His presence that is continually changing and molding our life. So that's why if we failed in the past, and I stand here this morning to say, I have failed in the past at times. Can you say amen? That God, he, in, his, in His goodness, He pushes that away and says, Okay, okay, that was that. But now I want you to get up and I want you to follow me and walk before me and become like me. And so He always gives us this opportunity in front of us to become like Him. And again, the Lord knows those that are believing into Him, and He does turn His attention to the eleven. When the whole crowd left, He never said, Hey, come on back. I've got more bread, you all. I'll make some more miracles for you. No, he let them leave. And then he turned to his 11 brothers. And by John, the 17th chapter, he reports, I didn't lose one of them, except for the betrayer, which was, he was going to betray the whole time anyway. But Jesus said, I cared for these men. You know why he cared for those men? They loved him. They had a heart towards him. They wanted to follow him. They didn't want to be hooked up with the Mishnah garbage of, of their religious upbringing. They wanted to follow Jesus Christ. And so he turns his attention to them. 
The Lord's attention this morning is not on little grandmas walking across crosswalks. As much as I hate to say it, his attention this morning isn't in hospitals where little newborns are. I'll have to admit I don't understand all of those things, but I do know this, where God's attention is. It's upon those who are pursuing after him. That's where his attention is. His attention is not on the world. Sorry. What about the last time big revival? No, he never called that out. He said there's going to be a falling away. His attention is on those whose attention are on him. If you will draw nigh unto me, he says, I will draw nigh unto you. And so we are attempting to become like our Lord. And say, so how many of you this morning, by the raising of your hand, so that the Lord can see it, are attempting to become like him? I said, man, you know, I, I know I mess up. We could raise the hands on that too, right? Well, I'll tell you what. Sometimes I just get the wrong attitude, and I think I'm right. And then I get down to pray and, and say, you know, God, this is wrong, or that was okay, is wrong. And the Lord always says to me, it's your attitude that we're dealing with. And, you know, we make mistakes, right? Say things we shouldn't say. Try and redo some stuff sometimes. The Lord's not worried about that. He can fix that in our life if we have a heart after Him. I want to become like Him and not sandals and robes and, and the, the right haircut or even the beard. That's, that's not what I'm after. I want to become like Him in the revelation of who He is. Something deeper than all that stuff. So, so the Lord kept communion with His Father and prayed. And you know what? That's something that we must do. Say amen. He was victorious over this present world. And it's something that God is working in our life to do. And then He is seated in majesty. And Ephesians said, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So He, he was sealed. And this is the point I wanted to bring. He was sealed in this world, in this life to certain things that were going to happen, that were going to be accomplished. And you are sealed also by Him, by His Spirit, in whom also you hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also believing. Who's the whom? The Lord Jesus Christ. In believing in Him, you were sealed with the holy, set-apart Spirit of the promise. What Spirit is that? That's His Spirit which he breathed into his disciples and breathes into his followers. To the point of 1 John, the third chapter, second verse, Beloved, now we are the children of God. Have you ever got up in the morning and said, where's that at? I know that I'm a child of God, but boy, I just don't feel like it. Have you ever struggled with the idea, I'm a, I'm a child of God, when you've made an error? When you've had a fault in your life? You said, oh, man, I guess I'm just not a child of God. I guess I'm, I'm not a part anymore. I'm going to tell you this. If your heart is in Christ, you're sealed. Now, I'm not saying that he glosses over our sin. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that He is in your corner and He is working with you. And you may have some stuff that needs to be fixed in your life and He's working with you. 
because he's got you sealed. If your heart is to become like him, he puts his seal, his stamp, his signet upon you, and you really are a Christian, not like this misnamed church that's out there that people call themselves Christians and they don't know Him, they don't want to know Him, they don't want to become like Him, but those followers of Jesus Christ who want to become like the rabbi and their heart is, Lord, through it all, somehow I'm going to become like you. Somehow you're going to work the goodness and beauty out of my life. I want you to know that he seals you with his signet and he says, you now are mine. You've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. And you are not your own. You belong to Him. And it's beautiful. Let God work some peace in your life. All those struggles that are going on, everybody has them. I have them. We all have them. We have these struggles that go on between the flesh mind and and the mind of Christ and, you know, all the things that happen. And, And know this. If you love Jesus... If you want to be like him, you are sealed. Everybody say amen. That's just a great, beautiful thought. We're not like the the Muhammad religion where you have to prove stuff. Your works have to be better than your faults. And their God is going to weigh them out in their their faults between their faults and and their good stuff. And that's going to determine their eternal destiny. No, we're not like that. What we're like is, I'm following Jesus. Devil, you might knock me down, but I'm not laying there. You might trip me up, and I'm not looking for anybody to be tripped up. Not what I'm saying. I'm kind of putting out, but, but I'm going to tell you what. God has got a net for us. If you love Jesus, you're going to come out of this thing and He's going to love you back and you're going to be successful in your life to love Him. You're going to succeed because you are sealed by the Spirit of God in your life. Not something you and I get to do. Not something that special people get. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. And I've thought about this so many times, Lord. I know the potential is there for each one of us. I know that sometimes we don't live up to that potential. But God knows. Jesus knew the ones who were believing into Him. And so we don't know what we shall be. But we, when we get the revelation of Christ, this is how John says it, but, but then we know that if... He is revealed. The problem with a lot of places and a lot of lot of works and churches and things going on, he's not revealed. And if he is not revealed, the if is there. That that uh, that question may be answered. It may not be answered. There's an if there, and if he is revealed, and this isn't a one-time revelation. I know that we've looked at this scripture as being the rapture. And they have joined all this to the wrong thing. The revelation of Jesus Christ is not the rapture. Then revelation is over. If there is this thing called rapture, and I believe there is a catching away, I believe there is an end. But if there is this thing called a rapture, the revelation of Christ is over. I need the revelation now, 
not in glory. We will see, and we don't know now, but we need that revelation. And so Jesus is revealed over and over and over and over. And if he is revealed, we have this potential in our life to become like him, for we see him as he is. Can you say amen? So the person that loves Jesus and that Lord is revealed to us, it's like, I want to be like that. I want to be the place where I can shut my mouth when I need to. I want to be to the place, Brother Dustin, where I can live by faith even though I don't see it. But if I never know him in that revelation, I'd never become that. I just, I just can't do it. Because it's not on my own. It's in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let's close. And so, seeing him, we're sealed. His children's, his children's students, followers, disciples, we become as he is in this world. Because that is the seal that the Lord has put upon us. It's not the seal of, you know, forever you're saved, now go and do what you want. No, the seal is forever I'm going to work with you to become like me, the Lord says. And so thank God for that, this process, this thing that's going on in our life. Somebody said, why did we move to Oklahoma? Why would you do anything? What are we here for? We sing this song that says, I was born to worship. I was born. What's well, a little, even a little more than that. I was born to praise. We were born to become like him. Not little gods. We're become, to become like our rabbi, our master, our teacher. And you say amen. So we take each one, all of our brethren. I don't care what your faults are. We're going to work with it. Can you say Amen. So you failed somewhere way out in the past. There. No, let's don't drag that junk up. Let's go on in Christ. I said, Lord, I, you know, I have some things that need to be fixed in my life. And how is that going to be fixed? Well, I know I'll get to, I'll get, maybe, I, maybe if I speak in tongues. Well, you, you know, I, if the Lord leads that way, great. That's not going to fix you. The revelation of Christ in your life is going to fix your life. Because he was perfect. <laughs> he was holy. Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. Okay, now if I can figure out whether he wore a ring or not, then I can be holy. No, 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 no. No, we understand the revelation of his holiness in our life. Thank you, Jesus. Where you stand? God bless you. Thank you for listening this morning. I hope I didn't go too long. Sometimes I, I belabor points. I'm passionate about it. And I belabor points. <laughs>